Welcome to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. This is your host, John Hewlin, and you are listening to part two of my conversation with Karen Anderson. Now, if you haven't checked out part one, press pause on this, go back to part one, check that out first, so you'll be all caught up and ready for part two, which is kind of in the middle of our conversation. Hope you guys enjoy part two. Karen is an amazing lady. She's a strategic book coach. She's a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestselling author. She's an associate publisher for Morgan James Publishing. She's a speaker. And I can't wait for you to learn more from her about what it takes to not only write your own book, but how to be a leader in today's world. Life is all about relationships, and great leaders heavily invest in those relationships. On the Relationships and Revenue Podcast, we talk about how to improve our most significant relationships at home so we can be better in our business relationships. We talk with experts from all over the world, representing many disciplines, about the best tips and strategies to become amazing people and amazing leaders. Welcome to the show. Because it's a lot easier for people to say it that way things they would never say to your face. Oh, yeah. And I, I, also, <laughs> and, I and I'll just say this too, um, for people who are first time authors, like one of the things that um, on Amazon that you really want to make sure is that you don't have all five star reviews. Um, and so if you're looking at your reviews, um, I always celebrate the, the first one star review with an author. Um, because <laughs> to me, it indicates critical mass, because what people don't understand is when they're looking at when they're looking at at Amazon reviews, if they're all five star reviews, they assume that it's your you know your mom, your aunt, your three cousins, and your best friend right. have all read copies of it, and they're giving you a five star review. When you get that one star review, um, we got a one star review for the fact that we didn't actually interview Jeff Bezos. Like, well, wow. and then we got another one star review um, because somebody's package was late. Okay. <laughs> um, but what, but when you get those peripheral reviews, so you really kind of want that that angle. So you want mostly five, you know, and four, and then some threes, some twos, and ones. And then people go, oh, you've hit critical mass. So yeah. now when they look at the book, they're going to go, oh, it's not just, you know, it's not just their best friend and their dog. Yeah. Well, when I looked, I think it was last night, you guys have 641 reviews on uh, on Amazon. That's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, then, I've seen I've seen some well publicized books on Amazon that had under fifty reviews, and yeah. sh I'm shocked by that. Yeah. So no, we're we're very um, we're very grateful for our our, our reviews. And then, do you want a, a fun backstory? <laughs> Please. <laughs> that what well, I don't think it'll get me in trouble, but um, but it one of the things that was interesting and. And so it's, I will say it's not true now, but it was then. When our book first came out, and I, we, as a publisher, um, you know, we support Barnes & Noble books, a million chapters, Indigo, independent bookstores. Like, I love retail bookstores. Like, that, I'm a publisher. That's, that's our publisher. Yeah. And so when our book came out, I went to Barnes & Noble, our local Barnes & Noble, and they kept saying, well, we can't get it. Um, and I went, you can't get it. And they went, well, we can do a special order and it'll probably take a few weeks. And I went, wait a minute, if people are coming in and asking for a book, you can't get it. And, and they were like, no. I went, okay, that's odd. 
So some time went by. Sure. And right. So we're back and went, what's the deal? And we found out through some some uh, kind of back ways. Um, our book got blackballed by Barnes and Noble. The business, what? The business bookstore buyer for Barnes and Noble refused to carry the Bezos letters because he said that he did not want it, uh, a book that was um, affiliated with Amazon. And I went in the entire in the, in the entirety of Barnes and Noble. You're telling me there are no other books about Amazon? Yeah. Well, and at that time, in this particular, I mean, it was it was very much about Bezos, and so. I, I, my response to that was twofold. One, I was like, do they not understand they're in the book business? Like, right. like that, that would be, that would be important. And then do they not understand that by not carrying the book, they just drove everybody to Amazon. Right. And I was like, hello. <laughs> and so, um, I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. So fast forward, um, COVID hit and everything changed. And then BNN got um, bought and, and is under new management now. And oh. um, David just told me recently, like a couple of weeks ago, that BNN is start, starting to carry our book. And and so my point is, is that it's done really well without Barnes & Noble, which is a huge channel, a retail channel for books. Yeah. And so, sure. so yeah, so it was it was interesting. But I what I really wanted them to do was I wanted them to read the book. <laughs> yes. I think it's sort of like um like not a cool thing to tell BNN that they should grow their business like Amazon, um, given that they started <laughs> their roots in the book business. But the right. idea is is that it really is principles. It's principles to look at how do you serve your customer, what's best for your customer, you know, um, and and how do you how do you keep that competitive edge? So well, for sure. I thought you would appreciate that story. Oh, definitely. You know, Listening to you share that, the very first thing that came to my mind was Barnes and Noble, if they don't get something figured out, they're going to become blockbuster video. Yeah. And and what happened is, is they have. Um, and I'm very excited what, for what's going on with Barnes and Noble now. So they have a, a, the new guy. He's in England and um, he had he had transformed a book chain. And now one of the things they're doing that's really changing the face, they, they really being as it has changed a lot. Um, is they're giving more autonomy to local bookstores. And so oh, they're good. They make decisions. It's not just corporate anymore. They're having input into books. If they like a book, um, they can promote. Mm. So yeah, they're doing a lot of things. And I very I am, I am really happy that Barnes and Noble is doing well. And I I've always been a Barnes and Noble supporter and a customer. So mm -hmm. uh, I'm happy that they're doing well. Even That's if good. You know, a rocky start with them. Talk to us a little bit about Morgan James. Because not everybody knows who they are and what makes your publishing company different than other ones out there. Sure. Well, like I said, I've done it all. And um, and I was introduced to, to David Hancock, who founded Morgan James. It's about 20 years old. And one of the things that that David and I had connected on and had in common was that we really are marketers. And, and a, a book is just a vehicle. It's just a tool. And but it again, it has high perceived value. And being an author has a high perceived value. Mm -hmm. And so, so David um, and I had similar experiences in reverse. So David was traditionally published first, and he mm -hmm. didn't like it because he didn't really have any control. What happens is, is if you sign with the big house and you get an advance, part of what they're buying is your intellectual property. They're buying your IP. 
And so they get, it's theirs now. They can make all the decisions they want and might have been your idea, but you never quite know how it's going to turn out because it's theirs. Mm -hmm. they, they're buying your IP. And then if you, if you want to do something with your IP, then it's theirs, not, not yours. So it, that gets a little dicey. And so, um, so he then self-published. Um, and again, this was 20 years ago. He self-published and he didn't have distribution. So he had mm -hmm. a lot of books in his garage and, <laughs> yeah. and he was like, okay, how do I, how do I get them out now? So he ended up creating Morgan James to be, we're called a hybrid publisher because it's kind of the best of both worlds from, from his experience. My experience was similar in that I self-published at first and I didn't have distribution. And then I signed, uh, I signed with a publisher and I gave up my IP and they made all these changes that I didn't like. And uh, so we had had very similar experiences. So mm -hmm. what David did is he wanted a model that was kind of more author centric. So with Morgan James, Authors, we do all the things a traditional house will do, does. And so what I say that means is we do production and distribution. So you bring us a completed manuscript um, because it's your intellectual property. You keep your IP. And mm -hmm. then we do the production and distribution. So we get it in all the retail markets. And that, that book is, is like any other book. Uh, we have a sales team that promotes our books to the bookstores. That's a little bit how, how we're different. And so, you know, it, when you self-publish, your book can be available, at, you know, wherever books are sold, which is great. Um, part of what Morgan James says is we have a sales team of about 200 people and they actually call on bookstores and, and pitch books to bookstores. So our model is a little, our model is a little bit different. Um, we pay a royalty on any book that we sell, but we also um, let authors sell their own books and mm -hmm. then can, can buy them from, we, our model is we, the only thing that we ask authors to do is to buy books from us. And, oh. um, and so we ask them to make a deposit on that just so there's some skin in the game. But you basically mm -hmm. are buying books from us and then you can turn around and resell them. So let's say you're speaking somewhere and you've mm -hmm. bought a book from us and it's cost you, I don't know, round numbers, let's just say $5 because I'm not a numbers person, I'm a word person. It's $5. If you sell that book for $15, that $10 is yours to keep. So, so it's, a, it's just a way to, for authors to be able to make money on the back end and to mm -hmm. engage and keep moving their book. And then any book that we sell, we, we pay the author a royalty. And so mm -hmm. we, we get books into all the online bookstores, retail stores. Like we actually are trying to get books in bookstores because we love bookstores. Gotcha. Now, is, how do you determine that a manuscript is something that you guys want? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's part of what my, my role is. Well, I would say two things. Um, one of the things that I, I love about Morgan James is we put the majority of our, our vote on the author, not the book. Oh, because okay. It's really about, does a, is a person passionate about their message? Do they want, because we can fix a book. Anybody can fix a book. Um, but if you get an author who isn't the, the a right fit, like they're doing it for the wrong reasons or they, I mean, I've seen all sorts of scenarios and um, some of it is just, I guess, spidey sense. Like some of it is I've done this for so long, I, mm -hmm. I can find a tell. But when I look at a, a manuscript, where I, really what I'm looking at is, is there a, a message in that, that manuscript that mm -hmm. is really going to make a difference? Is it, is it communicated well? Is it got that good balance between information and inspiration in the nonfiction world? I don't, I, I can do fiction, but I don't. Like that's not my area of expertise. But in, in the nonfiction world, 
I want to know how that book's going to have impact and what that book is is intended to do. And so I always ask authors at the end of their book, what do they want? What do they want their reader to to do? And what do they want their reader to feel like Mm. at the end of the book? So do you feel like you're empowered to go do something? And then what do you want them to do? For a book, for me, for a book to be a really effective lead gen, it has to deliver like 150% value. Like Mm. somebody has to be able to do it themselves. But the reality is, is if you've got everything to do yourself and it's, it's really good, People will go, well, I don't want to do this alone. How can you help me? What else do you have to offer? What kind of support do you have? What mm-hmm. tools do you have? Like what, how can I, how can I work with you? And so then that book ends up being, again, that, that opportunity um, to bring them back to you for whatever you have to offer. So I'm really looking at the, the message of the manuscript, how it's communicated, why it's being done. And then, you know, again, it's an investment. It, you know, you're investing into a book, it, both time and money. And so if you don't have any way to recoup that in the, on the back end, then yeah. you go, okay, then we need to step back here and look at how are you going to monetize that book? Sure. For me, it's, it's both about the message and the monetization. Like it, that's just the reality of it. Sure. Now, if, if somebody's listening to this and they, they've written something and they had thought about going the self-publishing route mm-hmm. and it's like, you know what? This sounds intriguing to me. What's the process like of not only getting in touch with you, but but moving forward with this? What's the investment part of that? Because I know there's going to be people who are going to ask. Sure. No, happy to do that. This is what I do all day long. Um, yeah. So so first, I mean, I'm Karen at MortgageJamesPublishing.com. So that's... Which we will include in the show notes, folks. Okay, Don't worry. We will. So that's easy. And again, for me... And this may sound crass if I say it, John, and I don't, I don't mean it in a crass way. It's just like, if people have the time to invest in self-publishing and doing all the things to to self-publish, that's great. But a lot of people just don't have that kind of time. Mm. And so, so you can do it all yourself. The question is, should you? Is it the best use of your time? Mm. And so that's, mm. that's kind of where I feel like we come in. Um, because for somebody that doesn't want to handle the cover design, the interior layout, the, you know, getting books printed, like, and, you know, doing all those kinds of things, that's sort of what we offer. So we're, mm-hmm. we're full serve. The only thing that we ask is authors, um, to purchase books. So I, I can, um, I'll, I'll say this relatively quickly. Um, but if anybody wants to contact me, I've also got it written out too. But, um, so any book that Morgan James sells to the retail market at, at the, the publisher, we say, we pay a 20% royalty on net. So I, what I tell people is, is that if a book sells for 20 bucks um, on Amazon or BNN, as a publisher, we get half, you'd get two bucks a book. So that's 20% on net of whatever we sell. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we ask authors um, to make a commitment to purchase books and, and at cost plus $3. And so... Mm-hmm. We don't mark up books. It's whatever the, the cost of the book is plus $3. And then we ask an author um, to make a commitment to purchase 2,000 books over their lifetime. So there's no Morgan James police. Um, <laughs> nobody checking. I actually had this dear woman and she signed with us. And she said, Karen, I'm like 73. And I said, Margaret, you're going to have to sell books faster. Like that's like, <laughs> like we got to own this one. And she did. Actually, Dave, Dave Ramsey wrote her um, forward for her. Oh, and, wow. Um, yeah, she was a, a dear, dear um, person. But anyway, we asked authors to buy books at cost plus $3. 
And then that $3 on those 2,000 books up front. So a $6,000 deposit. And then after mm. that, just buy books at cost. And so whatever the book cost is what, what you pay for it. Typically books are running, I don't know, two to four dollars a book, kind of in that in that range, depending on mm-hmm. quality. And right. so I, I would say, you know, anywhere between five or six dollars a book. And then we take care of everything. We do the production, cover design, interior layout, get the books out. You know, we really want to partner with um, authors. The other thing that we do, and I'll, I'll say this because I, I love the way David thinks, and it happened during COVID and we, we still do it. Um, because that commitment can feel big to pe- to people, we also know it, it's about getting people's messages out there. And so mm-hmm. we get that message out there through eBooks often and let people give away their free eBook. So, um, mm-hmm. and that counts towards that 2000. So that's basically it in a nutshell. Okay. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Um, yes. We, yes, absolutely. We really just want to partner with people. We need to have some skin in the game. Um, because we invest thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars into creating a book um, with our design people and our sales team and all that. And sure. so we we need to have some skin in the game. But I really love that because I think any entrepreneur really gets that. And that's really mm. helpful for them. Well, folks, I can tell you, I know several Morgan James authors and every one of them is top notch. Andre Young, who's been on this show. Love Andre. Uh, need, uh, first of all, I've already told Andre this. I need to have him back. He was one of my early, early on guests. So He's I need to have him on. Ted Renee Marino on. He's awesome. Yeah. We well, amazing. She was, um, she played Frankie Valley's wife in the movie Jersey Boys. Yes, she did. She's amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And of course, she did that on Broadway prior to that. Oh, she did. Oh, yeah. I, I could talk about Renee for a long, long time. So, Renee, shout out to you, my friend. I love her. She's amazing. All right. So one of the things that I ask all my guests, because relationships are so important, it's in the name of the podcast. Yep. And because I believe in order to have the best relationships in business, it starts at home. I want to know, what is it that you're doing right now, Karen, to build into, to make better your most significant relationships at home? And how do those impact your business? Um. Well, I th- I think um, I think the most re- important relationship I had at home was with Steve, and the um and so for me I you know I bring up on occasion that I wrote his book, and so I tried to get some mileage. <laughs> <of that. laughs> but yeah, I think I think one of the things that's fun for us is because um, we've been together too so long. I was going to say too long. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean too long. Um, that wasn't because <laughs> um, we've been together since we were kids. Is I really wanted to do things with him then so that we would have things in common now. And I yeah. think that happened. So, that. so we, we talk about business a lot. We talk about all sorts of things a lot, but we have something to talk about. And we, uh, we've got um, two daughters and seven grandkids. And so we talk about them a lot, but it's yeah, fun. Cool. Something that's, you know, we're, he's still working. I'm still working. We're still enjoying what we're doing. And so that helps a lot. Love that. Love that. Which by the way, I have got to get in touch with your husband. Gonna have to have him on the show for sure. He would love that. That would be so fun. He is when it comes to the book, though. You just need to know he likes to talk. So. Okay, good to know. Good to know. All right. So All right, I Steve. There, yeah, I get zero. I'm like, how was your day? He was like, fine. So. <laughs> oh yeah, it's just I got to bring up the right topic, then I'll know how to how to turn the faucet on. So. Yeah. Okay. 
Define success for me. Um, so for me, success is just having impact. Mm. And, um, and I love having impact. And so, you know, I've got this, you can't see it, but I've got a sh- uh, book with hundreds of books that I've published. And to me, that's success. Like those are, they're kind of like my babies, but they're, mm-hmm. uh, they're messages and they, they provide hope and comfort and, and shortcuts. And, and like they provide so much to so many people. So if I can facilitate that happening indirectly, I have huge impact. It may not be directly, but indirectly, um, that's success for me is to have huge impact. And it's true with my kids, my grandkids. Like that's what I want is to be able to have impact. I love that. You know, I I heard somebody say years ago that one of the worst things that could happen to a person is for them to die with their story inside them. Mm-hmm. And that's not the only reason, but it's certainly a reason that I'm writing this book, which actually has be it's turned into a series. Good. So I actually have at least two others that are going to be coming Good. in this F6 Secrets series. Nice to be happy. Uh, which I'm excited about. Uh, the other ones are going to be about leadership and entrepreneurship. So relationship, leadership, entrepreneurship. So I'm, I'm excited about the series as a whole. What's your top daily habit? So I... I would say um, it's kind of a morning and evening. So I, okay. I, I have a routine. So I, every, I write every night. I have a prayer mm. journal, journal, prayer journal. I write every night. Like that's part of my routine. And so, um, and the interesting thing is, and so I've got, I don't know, 20 or 25 years of journals because I write daily mm. and they're all safe. Only God can read them because my handwriting is so bad. I am not, I am not worried in the least about my kids reading them or anybody reading them after I'm gone because nobody, <laughs> I can't even read them. Like only God knows. And so then, and then in the morning I have, you know, I have to start out by reading. And so, mm-hmm. you know, reading, worshiping, praying, like doing that. So morning and evening, I think mm-hmm. that that's, that's my routine. And, you know, and I can review what's happened in the day and I can give my day up every morning. And so that's part of what I do. Gotcha. How does your faith impact your business? I guess because I don't, I don't have a, there's no line of demarcation. It is who I am, you mm-hmm. know? And I think that's where that having impact comes in. Um, it may be a different way, but when people have messages out that will, you know, help the world, change the world, make the world a better place, mm-hmm. that's part of what I get to do. That's fantastic. What would you say are the essential traits or what makes a great leader? You know, I don't, I don't quite know how to answer that one because I've been a sole proprietor all my life. <laughs> and so, I, you know, I, I, I haven't had a chain of command. I haven't, I haven't, mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably in 40 years since I've had a real job. Um, <laughs> so I've, I've always, I've wor- worked alone, but I, but I think even if you work alone, it's, it's, it's always about integrity and authenticity, like being mm-hmm. who you are and giving your best. And uh, to me, you know, if I look at, you know, how I try to have impact, is that leadership? I think it is. Um, you know, I try to, to, you know, bring my best self to whatever I do. And I sometimes over deliver to my own detriment. Um, so, I, you know, I think it's being aware um, because if I, if I give too much in one area, then I, I burn out and then I don't have enough to give in another area. So I'm working true. on that. Oh, that's very true. You know, it's it's interesting that you put it that way because it's probably two, maybe three years ago. So it would have been 
it would have been after COVID started, uh, I started really digging into this idea of health. Now, the very first time I heard that word, and for most of my life, Karen, when I hear that word health, I, it, it's still the first thing pops in my mind is physical health. That's mm -hmm. always what comes up first. But what I've discovered is that there's much more to it than that. That in order to truly be healthy, I have to be actively engaged in and trying to get better at my physical health, my mental health, my emotional health, and my spiritual health. All four are really, really important. And if any one or combination of those are out of whack, I'm not healthy. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. Um, I wrote an Enneagram, I just wrote an Enneagram for Beth, a book um, called The Coming Us for Beth and Jeff McCord. And it's an mm -hmm. Enneagram and marriage book. And, um, I, and I think I put it in that book. Sometimes I forget what I do, but, um, but you know, I, I think of it, you know, like if you've ever had surgery, um, they, they bring you this little um, machine that you have to blow into and blow the, the ball up. Yeah, yeah. To make sure that you're, you're getting enough air in your lungs. And so you have to get that ball up. And I kind of look at being healthy as working to get that that ball up, like okay. being aware of what I need to do. If I'm in a place that's too shallow, what do I have to do to, mm. to increase that? And so I'm always trying to kind of like in that Enneagram world, to be in that healthy, in, in that healthy mode and mm. being aware when I'm not in the healthy mode and what I need to do to get it back up there. So that's that's some that's sometimes the way I look at it. Excellent. What would you say is the best advice you've ever received? Oh, best advice I've ever received. When I, Steve and I were, um, we met when we were seniors in high school and um, we went to college together and we were going to wait to get married till after we got out of college. And uh, we were juniors and we said we had another, we were waiting another year. And our pastor, we met with our pastor, his name was Dr. Um, Halverson. He was the chaplain of the, the Senate um, at one point. And he was mm. our pastor at the time. And he said, why are you waiting to get married? And do you feel like God's called you together? And we went, yes. I was like, well, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to wait until you get out of college. And he said, can you show me in scripture where it says that? And I went, <laughs> oh, no, no. And he said, he said, I think you should revisit that. And he said, um, if you feel God's called to you to get together, for you to be together, then I think I, there's some benefits of young marriages and that when you're in college, you're in the same place, you're in the same routine, you're, you're doing a whole bunch of things that are very similar. And, you know, he said, I, I think it can be a great environment. I think you guys should, should think about that. So short story long, we ended up getting married um, between our junior and senior year and Dr. Halverson married us. And 10 months later, um, 11 months later, my dad had a massive stroke and he wow. survived, but he, um, he had brain surgery before there were MRIs and CAT scans and it, it was, oh, wow. and then he survived. My mom took care of him for, for 22 years. But what happened was, is that, um, I think that the advice was, you know, if you're looking at what the world says and the world around you, like you need to look at what, what you should be doing and what God's called you to do. And I mm -hmm. think that's been foundational. And gosh, that was almost 50 years ago. But I, but I think that that made a difference for us because it was, it was about doing, doing what was right. And um, mm -hmm. even if it was kind of against convention. So I don't know if that's the answer to your question, but 
No, I it does. Probably the best advice that we got. And we're okay. still, you know, I, I think it was an an old, um, was it Billy Graham's wife who said that, you know, she said she didn't believe in divorce, but murder had crossed her mind. And, <laughs> and I was yeah. like, okay, I, you know, we had some rough times, you know, and, but we're still here. And I, I think part of that is, you know, um, God's grace, you know, because it, hmm. it, it just is. And, and we're fortunate and we wrote a book together and we're still married. So, well, I'm glad you guys are still married. I am too. Wh- whether you wrote the book together or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about a time that you failed really big and what happened. Wow. you make, yeah, Great questions, John. Yeah. I think, um, you know, there, there are many to choose from. I think part of it, you know, I, and I don't, I don't know if I would call this um, a successful failure or not, but I think uh, my biggest failure, you know, that I would say is that when I was young and particularly a young mom who was working, um, I didn't always make good choices between work and kids. I always felt caught, you know, if I were, if I were with the kids, I, w- I feel like I had work I needed to be doing. And if I was doing work, I felt like I needed to be with the kids. And I yeah. think that I, I didn't, I didn't handle that as well as I could have. And so I would guess I would consider that a failure. You know, that said, God, grace, grace is big. And, and my, I, you know, my girls are great. So they turned out in spite of me. Um, but I, you know, I, I think that there were choices that I made um, where I would p- put work first before, before my kids. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they weren't, they weren't the big things. It was like, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts. Yeah. You know, there were times when I would be like, mom isn't available because mom's working. And I wish, I think, you know, my regret would be, you know, could I have been more present with them? But I also say, um, and I also believe that you do the best you can with what you've got when you're doing it. And so, yeah. Um, so yeah. But And so fortunately, by God's grace, my girls are great moms, great wives, and have great kids. So, And probably now, you're probably a fantastic parent. Yeah, now that they're gone. Well, but you had all that time, you know, yes. it's uh, all the things that you've had the opportunity to learn since yeah. then. I think that think that's why grandparents are, are so good. Most, not all, yeah. are, are so good because, you know, you've been through all this stuff. Yeah. You've learned the things you needed to learn, but you also can hand them back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the best part. That's the best part. <laughs> Uh, who's investing in you right now and how do you invest in yourself? Yeah, great question. I have um, two really close girlfriends that, um, you know, one, um, we have tons in common and the other, we have nothing in common, And bo- but we're both really good friends. Um, mm. And so I feel like, you know, they're, they're part of my life, which is great. And then yeah. um, I'm in a mastermind and I'm getting ready to do another mastermind. And um and I think that those, you know, those are opportunities where you get challenged. And so I always make sure that uh, I'm with people that that are way past where I am. So I'm always yeah. growing. So, for yeah, sure, for just sure. surrounding yourself with with great people that stretch you. And I will say, you know, the other side of that is I am incredibly best, blessed in um, in the book business and in the book world because I get to learn from every book that I that I do yeah. from every manuscript, from every book. And in the nonfiction, like the, the subjects are limitless. So I'm very yeah. fortunate to be able to continue learning. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's one of the reasons 
that as people age, they tend to age quickly is when they stop engaging. Mm -hmm. They stop uh, learning new things, creating those new neural pathways. Yeah. I mean, truthfully, I've, 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 had, I've had an actual neuroscientist on the show and we talked about that. So there's a reason that there are people who have challenges with, um, I'm not even going to remember the right terminology that she used. Oh, trust me, I wouldn't remember any of that. But and I study it, which is weird because I'm intrigued by it. I'm intrigued yeah. by neuroscience. It just the things with the brain and how that all works. It's just it's fascinating to me. Uh, but just I know that's something that I have to do on a regular basis is I have to engage my brain. I have to try and learn new things. I take things that I'm used to doing and I do them in a slightly different way Yeah, just to engage my brain. And I love to go to, I love conferences. I'm a conference junkie because you get to meet new people, learn new things. Mm -hmm. You're in a different environment. So I, I love being able to go to conferences. Conferences rock. We're getting close to wrap up time. And before we get there, how can folks find you and connect with you? Yeah, the um, easiest way is my website is karenanderson.co. There's no M because when I looked, the M was $95,000. And so oh I just, gosh. I didn't need it that badly. So I <laughs> with Co. So if you go there, um, it has all my information. There's a tab for free eBooks. And so mm. people can help themselves. There's some fun books that I've done that um, are there. Bezos Letters mm. there. Uh, Becoming Us is there. Bunch of books that are fun that are there. But just KarenAnderson.co. All right. Again, folks, for those of you who are on the treadmill right now, remember, we'll put it in the show notes for you so you don't crash. <laughs> That's great. All right. We're going to hop into our final four. You just tell me the first thing that pops in your head. All right. Here we go. Question one. Why did God create Karen? I think you answered it already, but. Yeah. Just to love well and to have impact. There's I, the word. I feel very loved. I feel very well loved and, you know, and I'm blessed to be able to have impact. Yeah. That is for sure your word. Mm -hmm. Impact. No doubt about it. And you know how people, they, they choose a word for the year. I'm not sure that yours needs to change. Good to know. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Is there ever a time when you don't need nope. to have an impact? Nope. I guess when, I, when my physical body ceases to be here, maybe. But I, even when that happens, people still have impact. So. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Question two. What are you doing, reading, or listening to right now that's helping you grow? I mean, like, there's so many. That's what's hard. Um, <laughs> well, give me a top three then. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think, uh, sorry, Alexa's telling me somebody's at the front door. Um, <laughs> you know, I, um, I read some derivation of Jesus Calling every day. I read okay. every day. Like, that's important to me. I read fiction every day. I'm always, mm -hmm. you know, got a new book going on. And, and I read manuscripts every day. So I'm always doing something. You are for sure. What do you do for fun? I struggle with that um, because I love what I do so much. Um, <laughs> okay. Outside of that world, what do you do for fun? Yeah. Um, not much. <laughs> um, I know it's a weak area for me. Um, I, I do get to be with my grandkids some and that, mm -hmm. and I go over and have lunch with them. But, um, but yeah, I mean, fun for me is, you know, what Steve and I do all the time. We travel. Um, we get to go. Okay. Places. Um, I go to conferences. I, I know that sounds crazy, but that's really fun for me. So no, it doesn't sound crazy at all. I get that. 
What would you say you're most grateful for? You can't say your family because everybody says that. Yeah. Uh-oh. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, I mean, you'll just laugh. I mean, it's just the ability to have impact. You know, that to okay. use my experiences and my education and my gifts and my whatever, you know, to have impact and, you know, to some help improve somebody's life. That's what's important to me. I And, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for the gifts God's given me. So last question. And this one's could be considered self-serving, but it's not meant to be. Okay. Somebody comes up to you and says, Karen, I know you're in the book world, but. I'm looking for something new to read. So when someone asks you for a book recommendation, what's the first? There's going to be more than one. I know that. So I'm going to limit you to three. Okay. okay. So give me three books that you have no hesitation and you do frequently recommend. Boom, boom, boom. Sure. Uh, the first one is Ian Cron's book, The Road Back to You. Um, it's an it's a it sold a million copies. I just heard it sold a million copies. Wow. Um, Ian's a dear friend, and that's how we got introduced to the Enneagram. And uh, I, it's the best book out there. And so I love mm. to talk to you. Um, uh, that, that's a great one. Okay. Well, there's a book John has to get for sure. Oh, so good. And Ian's a great writer. So I, I, I will say his top three. So Ian has two other books out. Um, one is called Chasing Francis, which is... Um, a novel-esque uh, book and love it. I, re I reread it every year. Mm. Um, and um, and then he wrote a book called A Memoir, Jesus, My Father, the CIA, and Me. Ian's a great writer. And so I, lo I love great writers. Um, mm. And, you know, and then, yes, can I recommend the Bezos letters? I, I recommend it often because yeah. it's a good book. <laughs> and so yeah. it's good for businesses. And then... Um, I don't know that I can pick a third. I mean, like I've got so many. Um, I, I'm looking at my shelf. Like I've got so many. Um, it's like saying which of your kids is your favorite. <laughs> well, I, I get that. I do. I, I mean, I knew that would be somewhat difficult. Yeah, it's hard because I'm in question the for you to answer or yeah. to, to limit your answer. Yeah, um, I, I, I knew. Yeah, that. And I don't want to offend any of my friends by saying, oh, I picked their book over somebody else's. So I I understand. I do. I do. I get that. So uh, it puts you in a bit of a predicament. So I, I apologize for that. No, no, no. But for business, I like, I mean, the Bezos Letters is a good book. And for personal development, I read back to you, it's a good book. Okay. Those are fantastic. And again, folks, we'll have them in the show notes, links to these books, all that sort of thing. Well, Karen, thank you so much for your time today. Well, I've enjoyed it so much. I really appreciate you, John, and, um, and the opportunity to be here. You bet. You bet. And for all of you, Thank you for tuning in today. You have shared your most precious resource with us and that's your time because I know it's not renewable and you can't get it back. So thank you for investing in us today and thanks so much for being here and we will talk to you guys next time. Bye everybody. Thanks for listening to Relationships and Revenue. I'd love to get your thoughts on the show. Two ways you can do that are to give us a rate and review and or connect with me on social media. You can find me at John Hewlin. Thanks again for listening, and remember, passion gets you started, purpose keeps you going. Have a great day, and we'll see you next time. Bye.